Welcome back to our podcast, Cheeky Vibe, Peaceful Life. My name is Michelle Moss, and today I have some very special guests. I mean, these are people that mean the world to me. Um, we have some of the nurses from Altman who are here. Uh, just gonna share some of their stories. We have Kim and Olivia and Michael Ann. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, we would like our listeners to hear a little bit about each of you. So, Michael Ann, how about you tell us um, what you do at the hospital? Yeah, so I am the unit director of the Medical Intensive Care Unit. Which is where Jonathan was. Which is where Jonathan was. We served as our hospital's COVID ICU during the pandemic. And we're still functioning as our COVID ICU. Thankfully, the numbers are lower. Good. Much, much lower. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good. What about you? I'm Olivia Dea. I'm the unit director for surgical ICU. We were the second ICU during the COVID times, and we're the ICU for all types of ICU and step down patients during that time. And that's still what we do now. We support all of the other units in the hospital, and. Um, and that's it. We're just um, MICU and SICU are um, sister units. And, yeah, and Jonathan was there too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was. Made a, yeah, he made a surprise guest visit. <laughs> right, right. And what about you, Kim? Um, my name is Kim Dugan. I am the unit director of the main campus emergency department. Um, I am a former um, MICU director. Um, so I spent a lot of my nursing career at Altman's MICU. So, um, well. I just want to say, first of all, how much I love and appreciate all of you and everyone else that that works at Altman and Mercy and Cleveland Clinic and all around, all the people that are doing the good work for our community. Um, as we do this, as usual, we talk about some things before we hop on, and I wish we were recorded, but, <laughs> but we were talking a little bit about you know, when we think about the pandemic and, and, you know, we're still in the pandemic to some extent, but, you know, how it kind of seemed like, Michael, and you said kind of like a, a dream. Yeah. And kind of like, did that really happen? Um, and you guys were on the front lines face to face with the monster. Um, so tell me, like, what are your maybe most impactful things that you can pull from what you went through? Or maybe triggers that trigger you to go back to where you were yeah so like like michelle said we were talking before and like i was in our respiratory room today and i saw a box that said proning pack and that was you know when we flip patients on their bellies to help them oxygenate better because that was covid's thing is um rob people of their lungs and so we'd flip them on their belly to help them oxygenate and the proning pack had pillows and pads and everything you needed to prone a patient and I looked at that box, which is empty now because we haven't proned a patient in months and months and months. Um, and I looked at it and I thought, was that a dream? Was that even real? Everything that we went through the last two years? I mean, it was almost like surreal. It just takes you back to that moment. And you're like, I can't believe we did that. I mean, it's a time warp, really. It's, it seems like it was, you know, two weeks ago. And then again, it was 10 years ago. And another thing is when we look at pictures of Nurses Week, especially, I think of when we... Uh, took coffee into staff and there are pictures of all of us together and it's happy and then you look in the background and you see the the signage for covid yeah everybody has some hats on and masks on and and nobody dared take their mask off then to take a smile and take a picture like everyone still stayed masked and um you know you can see the staff are happy but you can just see all the sadness and darkness 
around them in the background of the picture. And that is really what it's like. How, how did we get through that? Well, well, part of it is what you just said. You did that. That was a coping. You, you got together and did this coffee thing because it felt normal and mm-hmm. real. And We were just grasping for anything yes, to make people normalcy. feel better because I feel like the most pressure for that nurses week that was the first nurses week that I was interim director for MI Kim had left us to go work on a quality project that was a first nurses week it was probably the world's worst nurses week because nobody wanted to be a nurse at that time nobody wanted to be that essential worker having to say yeah I take care of COVID patients every day you go into places and they say have you been exposed to COVID-19 and you say yep about 80 times today you know you're and 15 hours a day. Exactly. And and I felt so much pressure to like make that moment happy, to like make that time good. And we took pictures and Olivia and I went to Starbucks three times that day. We carried like $80 worth of Starbucks every time <laughs> to staff just to try, to try anything, to try and give people one moment of happiness yeah. because that the rest of that time was hell. was hell yeah i didn't i'll relate a curse on the yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah for me it was like remembering those times as a leader at that point of course n- no one none of us have been leader during a pandemic so obviously um that was the first time i have to lead a group of nurses that are scared and calling me texting me like am I gonna be okay are we gonna be okay and you didn't know I don't know yes I didn't know so I have to assure them we're gonna be okay but at the end of the day I go to bed well actually if I get some sleep (laughs) I didn't have much sleep then um thinking you know getting into my faith that um hopefully you know I need to lead these people um, having that faith too with my leaders that are assuring me we we will do our very best to take care of patients with the safety of our staff and nurses are calling me. I remember all those phone calls. I was in the corner of my room, my house, and just assuring this person that we're gonna be okay. We don't know, yeah, we don't, but we're, we have each other. Mm-hmm. We will be like, Yes, my family, your family. Um, I'm not scared for myself to be sick or to be contaminated because all that time you're thinking of your mm-hmm. safety too. But you're having all that phone calls, text messages, and all I can go back into is my faith. Like, you know, help me God to, you know, lead these people and um, assure them that we will be okay, that we're being led by, you know, our family leaders of Altman that we will be okay and um, we just have to take the lead. So I remember all that stuff and up to this point, I remember very vividly that I was in my um, um, table, um, dining table, I was writing cards for each and every one of my staff, mm-hmm. um, telling them you know, each to be supportive, that I'm here for you and things like that. Every one of them I wrote different, I don't even remember now, each individualized letter and cards for them, send it to their homes, just so they know that I'm here for them, whether it's good or bad, we're together. So other than your faith, who is there for you? Oh, of course, my family. Mm -hmm. My family, my husband has always been 
with me, Sorry my children. <laughs> Lawrence. <laughs> yes, he has been there for me to, you know, give me all the strength that I need. Having dinner at night, coming home for a, you know, well-made bed and dinner ready, laundry's made. All I have to do is just do some self-care for myself, a little rest. moment and rest. Yeah. Rest. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And these, these guys are all leaders. Um, so I do echo a lot of what they've already mentioned, but for me, one of, you know, the moment when COVID first came back or came to us, it's, you know, I've been a leader a little bit longer at Altman. So, you know, I was a leader in the medical intensive care when Ebola came and it was, it was like, oh my gosh, here we are again, you know, and the stressors and the uncertainties, the unknown, the preparation, the, all the extras of, you know, having that pressure and that weight to make sure that the staff are taken care of, that we're preparing um, the staff, making sure everyone's safe. Um, for me, that was, it was tough again, just to kind of, here we go again, here we go. Um, I knew that there were so many people that depended on us as leaders. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of, lot of effort there. Um, you know, one of the most difficult things for me um, with COVID is, you know, our team really thrived on our relationships that we had with each mm -hmm. other and we mm -hmm. have with each other. I think that's what's gotten me through this this time is, you know, my closeness with Michael Ann. Olivia is my partner. I tell you from, I will always tell her, like, she's been my best partner um, that I've ever had as a, as a leader at Altman. And um, for me, one of the most toughest things with those relationships and the supporting of staff is we had one of our own who got really ill. And um, that was a very hard time to feel like um, those relationships and you trying to give all that you can give to that, you know, your friend, your coworker, your family member, um, and feel like you couldn't give all that you wanted to because of COVID. Literally. You know, we it wasn't, was it wasn't COVID. COVID that she was sick yeah. from. It, it was. wasn't COVID, but COVID um, impacted our ability to to see her as much as we wanted, to show her, you know, all the kindness, compassion as a team. Yeah. Because you know, we did we did parties together, we mm. got together, we enjoyed each other's company, and I honestly think that was the strength of our team, and that we got through it. Um, but that was really a tough time for me. You know, it was really. Um, you know, someone that you care about, someone that you love as part of your family, that's your work family. And it was it was tough not to be able to, to keep mm -hmm. her safe um, because it wasn't from COVID, but COVID impacted that terribly for our team. Yeah, and I mean, we were so restricted, even staff in the hospital. You would never now say like that I, that I as a nurse could, I can go anywhere in the hospital. Well, during COVID you couldn't. And she was in the hospital, and people were like, "We want to go see her," and we couldn't. And we couldn't. And so I the rules even applied to you. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And they were strict. Like I mean, and it wasn't even like shame on you. It was like very strict. Like very you cannot. Strict. I snuck up there one day, one day, yeah. one time for five minutes, and you know the unit director just kind of turned her head. But it was like so yeah. you were not allowed to do that. Well, and and especially because we worked in the COVID unit. Yeah, yeah. They were like, get out of here. You know what I mean? And it was... <laughs> we don't want you anyway. <laughs> and it was because you wouldn't be able to keep us out of that room. All yeah. of our staff. I mean, every single nurse down there was like, I want to go up and see her. I want to go up and see her. Every single person yeah. wanted to go up. And it's yeah. like, you can't. You can't. Yeah. And it's terrible. It was tough. Did did the rest of the... This is a question I don't think I've ever asked any of you guys, and I've talked to you guys a lot, but... Did, did the rest of the hospital see you guys as like, um, were you like 
nobody wanted to rub Yeah, We were like, yeah. this yeah. Yeah. is out. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. You work where? Yeah. Where do you work? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. That Ooh. sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, so one thing that I didn't really realize until I went to the emergency department was the impact that COVID had throughout the hospital. We were so hyper-focused on our areas in the yeah. ICU because mm-hmm. we had very, very We had a sick. lot to focus we on. We had a lot to focus on. <laughs> and our volumes, we were high. Mm-hmm. You know, the medical intensive care, once we filled up, we spilled over to the surgical intensive care unit. And we're making plans of where we're going to go next to support these patients. Mm-hmm. And um, it just blew my mind that you know the er was like slow i mean this the patients that they saw were really really sick yeah. and they saw a lot of those initial covid patients that came through and that were really critically ill but it just was mind-blowing to me that just people stopped coming and so to think that those staff were not working as much or you know some of the other areas within the hospital you, guys you know were triple down quadruple yeah down. and they we were are. getting and they were getting um what's the term like i, I can't furloughed. 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 furloughed they were getting furloughed and we're like, what? I mean, you meet what people a year into the pandemic and they're like, I don't know what size N95 I wear. You don't know what size N95 you wear. What are you talking about? I wore an N95 every single day. I mean, it was crazy. And like even pregnant, you know, we had one of our nurse practitioners who was pregnant. You're not supposed to, don't go in a COVID room when you're pregnant. She's like, I don't have a choice. And yeah. she yeah. But that, put herself at risk. As, as a community member hearing, and I want our listeners to hear this, that you guys are were the heroes, are the heroes, will be the heroes, whether it's COVID or whatever you guys do on a regular day, every day, don't put yourselves at risk. I mean, you just had a baby, and so you were part of being involved, you know, in the pandemic and working in the MICU when all these things were happening. You guys have families, you have children, and I want everyone to know how great you guys are. Art, what a great job you've done to, to provide for our community. Yeah, and it's I think so we're... funny. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. It's so funny that you say that, that we're heroes and things like that. Honestly, I think Michael and Kim, too, would think about it, too, that we never thought at one point that we're... I, I think for me, we're just doing our jobs. This is our job, so we are, like, dedicated to do this, and this is a part of our... You know, we have to do what we have to do during that point, but never come into my our minds that, you know, thinking about hero being a hero and things like that. But, but that's because we're, that's what you just said is yeah. it was your job. It was and, our and, job. And then and I'm going to say that this is, you know, this is a hard thing to hear. In the very beginning, everybody yeah. called you heroes, and then you guys had a really a big struggle. Yeah. When people, when it wasn't seen that way. Right. which broke my heart because yeah. you guys are still doing the hard work. You're still doing all the stuff. You're, you're still putting yourselves at risk yeah. by that second year, you know, mm-hmm. um, Yeah. and continuing to going in there. So I'm hearing that you went from experience and family. Mm-hmm. You have faith. And then we didn't talk about the fact that you, your way of coping, Michael Leanne, was, okay, I know that these are the rules. I got to disseminate the rules. This is what the facts are. This is what the right. I was information because you only started fifteen March. days. I started March first in leadership. Olivia hired me, probably against her better judgment, <laughs> and into leadership, which I've obviously, you know, I expressed to Kim very early on in my time in MI that that's something I was interested in. I told her in a very non-threatening, very friendly way I that I wanted it. her job. I loved it. And I love you, but I want your job. Yes, I love. I mean, if you're ready to start walking. 
I'm ready. But no, and she really took me under her wing and Absolutely. like we formed a really I mean, she's my mentor. Like I am always like WWKD what would come <laughs> And it is in my mind every day. So, you know, I started out, you know, I was hired March first, March fifteenth, we got our first patient. And I was like, I had one normal meeting. I spent one week in Olivia's office learning, trying to figure out Joe, our, you know, Olivia's assistant nurse manager taught me as much as he could, very compressed in what I was supposed <laughs> to be doing. And I was like, I don't know how, I don't know how to lead these people. I can't, I can't lead they like Kim. I can't lead like Olivia. I don't even know how to lead. And now we're leading in this extremely stressful environment. So I was like, what can I do? Which I think all of us do is just like, I'm going to just give these people so much information, these nurses so much information, because I have very much like a heart of service. And I think, you know, I think both these ladies are servant leaders also that I'm like, I will do whatever I can to help my nurses. So those nurses can help the patients. I mean, that's like my, that's what I think of every day, even now. So I was like, how much, how can I distill all of this information coming in, get them a nice graphically pleasing visually pleasing email that they'll want that they'll read because i want them to be prepared i want them to understand what's happening and i want them to be informed because it's scary and when i'm scared i just want a lot of information as much information as i can take because in knowledge is power and we feel right sense of control. exactly you feel a little bit a little bit more in control if i know what mask i'm supposed to what i'm supposed to do with my mask i feel a little more in control and so that's all i did was just distill information and get it to our staff because things were changing every single day. And when I mean every single day, sometimes by the hour, it, it was, was changing. Exhausting. Because we were running out, you know, exhausting. okay, you're wearing white gowns. Okay, we're out of white gowns now. Now you're wearing blue gowns. Well, Dr. Boutros doesn't want us to wear blue gowns. He wants us to wear two white two. gowns back to back. Yes. Now we are now we can't use disposable gowns anymore. We have to go to reusable yellow gowns. It was, I'm not even kidding you, stuff like that. That like so this staff, they, they don't even, they're like, what am I supposed to do? I'm just trying to take care of this patient. We don't have supplies. I mean, the supply chain we all know got so jacked up. We don't have the supplies. We don't have the information. We don't have the masks. I mean, it was... I can't even imagine you guys are sitting today with smiles on their faces saying your story because it's unbelievable. It truly is. Okay, shifting. You coped with structural routine, faith, family, experience... How did you rest at home? So one of the biggest advice that one of our physician leaders who is my, has been my mentor um, for the last 10 years or plus now is, you know, he kind of told all of us that, you know, we have to be okay with our best. Mm -hmm. And that has resonated with me for since he's said it. And I will never forget it. I say it often. I say it to others um, who have difficult experiences and things like that. And, you know, we have to accept our best. Does that mean leave it at work? Yeah. No, no, really. No, it means not, be, be satisfied that with you body. gave your best. Yeah. Because, I mean, and be okay with it. Let go of that. That's what I mean. Let go. Yeah, let go. Yeah. Your best, and now you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it helped to be able to cope and to let go because. You know, pre-COVID, we have we have all these protocols in the ICU, and everything works well. <laughs> yeah. And you trust know, it's the routine process. trust process. We have physicians that pulled together these great, wonderful protocols, and they mm -hmm. were effective, and they worked, and we saw them work, and it's like great. You know, we see really sick people, we do this protocol, and we they get better, and we save them, and save they're them. they're doing well. 
COVID changed all that. And it was a stressor for the staff and for us to feel defeated because the things that worked didn't work anymore. And it was out of our control. And so just focus on that, you know, we're giving our best every day and we have to be okay with our best. Absolutely. Even if it's not what we'd hoped for or anything like like that it helped cope yeah grace giving yourself grace yeah Yeah. and that was like kim said that was a huge i mean that was one of the biggest things that you hear from staff is like this i'm not able to give the care that i feel i need to give and our staff are so passionate they Mm -hmm. can't take it that's not acceptable to them they cannot accept that no and when kim says that that you know that he says all the time we have to be okay with our best and it's hard to do, but it's because so we're true. All high achievers. Yeah, because we, we know the standard. We know what the standard is. High he has set the standard for us, and yep. we know the standard. And our staff, when they can't give that standard of care, it, it's unacceptable to them. It's unacceptable. It really is. They feel defeated. Absolutely. At the end of the day. It's very frustrating. So they feel like they have failed. They have failed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so giving you that was hard. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. He knows we're doing our best. Yeah. And we and have again, to know that. The best with what you have because you guys also took equipment and, and masks and gowns and, and so much restriction. And, and used it in new ways. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We, we learned a lot. Ventilator we can we run IV tubing out in the hallway like right. the best of us. We them. talked about how to put two people on one ventilator. Yeah. yeah. Because we thought we were going to have to do that. It really no. got to that point. And, and dialysis machines, okay, we're going to dialyze this person for four hours. We're going to take it out. We're going to clean it. And we're going to dialyze this person for four hours because we just don't have enough machines. And we're just going to do our best. But that's, that's amazing about human, just putting all the, using what you yeah. have and figuring it out. So talking about all the machines, I'm just going to put this in this plug because you and I were talking about it earlier, Michelle, is um, like with all the machines and all the equipment and all the assessments and going in and out of the rooms and all that time and how we got binoculars yes oh yeah <laughs> to see the crt machine <laughs> see we still use those we learned how to, <laughs> to use. see them yeah. to, to be see the to numbers so we didn't so, have to go in and so that's something good that's come out of it yeah, yeah. Learned right. some new things. yes yeah. and, and during that time while they are all focused of course in misu misu is busy um because i had the um experience in buying stuff for supposedly for a new unit that we were going to establish before covid so during that time we don't have this we don't have that so i'm like making a list of things that were out of ivy poles how many ivy poles do we need i'm like overshooting yeah by twice as much twice as much as many i need to make this all the list and while our leaders are all like listening to us and like we need um, train of four machines. We, we have them coming out of our now. <laughs> I'm making all this yeah. list. They're telling me that we know how many ventilators do we need and how many dialysis machines do we need. And I'm just You're like, overestimating. Oh, we were preparing for every single patient to be on continuous dialysis. You know, you need it. You need an extra ultrasound machine. Have, those are things. Those things are. Yeah, I have bold. quotes from all the purchasing. I have the spreadsheets. I change it every. In a daily basis, I'm presenting it to our VP. It's like, 
This is what and we need. That, at that moment, they're they're probably trying to get whatever you. Oh yeah, oh, it was, they did. Yeah, all we the got, allocations and things yes. that we yep. were dealing with. Yeah. It was a it's a purchasing nightmare. They get what you need, but the supply chain was so jacked up. It was like you can't even get it. And so expected to do this job with all these patients in ways that you've never used these machines before without the equipment you yes. needed. I mean, it's like because that's know. what we I all mean, seventy five percent of the nurses. The only time they've ever worn an N95 mask is when they do fit testing, fit testing at once, a, once year. a year. And it's like, why do I even need to do this? I I did fit testing and I'm like breathing this mask. You know, you're not supposed to get any air. My glasses are fogging up and our educators like, I can see your glasses fogging up. So like that mask it. doesn't fit you. I was like, it's fine. It's, it's okay. fine. Just write that number <laughs> yeah. down. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. So then it was a change of yeah. everything. Everything. Oh yeah. Okay. I want to get back to. Because you said grace. What about you as far as rest at home when you're away from from the chaos of what was going on at work compared to what's going on at home when everybody's on lockdown or everybody's going through this thing? What are you doing at home? Uh, like yeah. I said, I'm very, very um, fortunate because I don't have small kids anymore. I have a very supportive husband. Even though husband. she looks about 22. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the oldest here. Um, I have a very supportive husband. But... I was having a hard time coping. I've not had sleep. Mm-hmm. I was very, it was very, very hard for me to sleep and rest. And my anxiety was through the roof. And, you know, I started buying tons of plants. Addicted. That's why I said, like, your living looks so beautiful. <laughs> yes. I was hyper-focused on things that I can, like, control. And Although you're still trying to, you know, make it live. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Those things are living. The yes. Plants, yeah. plants are thriving. Right, oh, right. Good. Going to plants. They don't get COVID. Yes. Uh, that's where I developed, like, Lauren said, Enough of the plants. We're not bringing home another plant, so I have to sneak in. One more plant. Uh, he, won't, he won't notice. He won't notice. <laughs> yeah, so those things, like, I was very, very highly um, anxious, and sleep was very, very hard for me. And How many of you guys were highly anxious? Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then started, like, working out like crazy, and I wasn't eating as much, and... You know, after uh, several months, I lost a lot of weight, and that was not getting very healthy for yeah. me. Although I was getting a lot of compliments that you're losing weight, but I was not healthy because I was doing so much, and it was not healthy at that point. But yeah, you figured it out. I figured mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. My gosh. Okay, Michael. I know you just had a baby. I did. Oh. I did not have a baby during COVID. Thank yes. God. I don't. I honestly. Like, the day I hired my assistant nurse manager, like, because, you know, obviously I had to replace myself because I replaced Kim. The day I replaced her, which was, you know, post-COVID, post the worst of COVID, I went home to my husband and said, all right, have a baby. We're ready. We got somebody. And boy, oh boy, and you have we one. did it. It all works like yeah, that. Yeah, it did. Perfect. It was Stick great. It and it comes. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, that wasn't hard. My husband said, wait, I thought that was going to take a little longer. <laughs> but I, yeah, I didn't have a baby during that time. And Anybody that knows anything about the Enneagram, I'm a type three and um, I compartmentalize. I um, took all of that anxiety and I said, all right, we're going to put that in a box and we're going to put that on the shelf and we will deal with that later. And I'll tell you, 
sometimes it came to a head, you know, and I'm sobbing in my, you know, to my husband who has no idea what I'm or talking about. Right. And it did fall apart a couple of times, but I'll tell you the time that it came out the most was on um, your first uh, block party. I went to it by myself. Well, obviously all my work family was there, but like my husband didn't come because again, he didn't know what I went through. And we went to this incredible block party that these incredibly generous people had for us and it was so fun it was so great to see our family you know outside of work and I remember going I had a great time I was so fun and I went home and I just fell apart and I said you know I was telling my husband he's like what are you you just came home from a party why are you crying and it was like everything that we've been through for the last year like we made a difference in someone's life so it was times like all worth it right and it's times like that that I just kind of fell apart and the, the magnitude of what you guys were actually doing. Right. It was like we actually made a difference in someone's life, even though it felt like we were running. So <laughs> right. It felt like we were running on a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing I'll say is that as, me being a new leader into this group, it was so incredible how one day one of us would fall down and we'd have a really bad day, but someone else was in much better spirits and they could pick that person yeah, up. And that's what I kept feeling like even, I mean, Sandy, you know, I, I would be having a really bad day and she would pick me up yeah, and, you know, then, <laughs> and, you know, and honestly, and then the next day, you know, I would be in better spirits and I could pick someone else up, you know, they're having a bad day and I could pick, and that's, I feel like that's how it always works with us. We always are rotating and like someone's having a bad day, but someone else is, having a much better day and they can pick that person up so yeah as much as i compartmentalize things um well, i don't know that i've really processed well, it all but say, as a therapist you shove it down you shove it down eventually it, it comes up down. for now, sure ask, this is a hard question i'm going to ask this but again as a therapist and i work with a lot of nurses and different frontline workers okay so time has passed and and you know it's sort of in the rearview mirror and we're going to pray that it stays there and, and we can keep moving forward but how many of you guys feel that maybe you have some PTSD symptoms? Some maybe. Hands up. <laughs> yeah, some yeah. nightmares, some oh, yeah. intrusive thoughts, some hypervigilance, some anxiety, depression. I don't know. Just anger. I think it's just anger what mostly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I heard that today too. Someone yeah. was telling me about that. Felt it's like, it's almost like hateful. Anger. People have like... Angry. I, I think of it a lot as like, you know, after 9-11, obviously I was very young when 9-11 happened, um, but, you know, everybody was very patriotic post 9-11. It was like, okay, the rallies and the fundraisers and we're together, together as Americans. I felt like that's what people did during COVID. Like we rallied together as a team. And now that it's over, we have not seen the effects of COVID-19 on our healthcare workers. I think we're starting to see it. But, I, as a therapist, I know it's coming. Yeah. I feel like everyone has a lot of unresolved issues unresolved issues yeah a lot of anger that they had to go through that and I think we're just starting to see the cusp of what the toll that COVID-19 took on on our healthcare workers for sure do you all feel that way? Mm -hmm. I feel that way too actually on my way out here driving on I was a little bit emotional too and I was thinking why? like I'm thinking why? you know thinking of what we were going to talk about and it just all of a sudden hit me like you know thinking about all those times it's like i don't want to think about that anymore but still it's still it's in there, there. <laughs> well and, and trauma therapy in all honesty to help and this is why i want to do these kind of things 
if we talk about the trauma and we talk about the trauma and we have some good coping skills, then we own the trauma. The trauma doesn't own us. And we can move forward and we can get through it and we can talk about it. And it's not normalized, but we know we've, kept, we've gotten through it. We can get through it. And, mm-hmm. and this is a hard thing to say too, but we're going to have more trauma in our yeah. lives, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. I don't right. know if it's at work or at home. We all have. Right. Life keeps coming. I always yeah. <laughs> but, um, for me, it's a little bit, um, I have a lot of anxiety um, post-COVID, especially now that, you know, restrictions have been lifted. You know, we've made a shift in our own hospital, which is a great win for staff. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody has been exhausted mm-hmm. and we like to see people's faces and things like that. But I just always have this inner sense of anxiety and stress, like, you know, about waiting for Yeah, we shouldn't do this. Or why are we doing this now? Flu season starting. Too soon. You know, I had the same thoughts and feelings when, you know, I had, you know, I was a mom during COVID and I had to, you know, come home from a long, exhausting day of, of work and homeschool my kids. Yeah. That was a nightmare. Yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't know how anybody does it, but, um, or willingly does it. Um, rather it just, so I have that anxiety of like what could happen. And I think some of that surrounds by, you know, we had the first wave of COVID. We were all like trying to get our head above the surface of the water and then boom, the second wave. And it almost hit us harder. Well, yeah, because we all had the party at at our house Uh after that first year. Uh And then it got bad again. It got bad again. Spiral of was worse. The The second time was so much worse yeah, because we had less staff because before we were fully staffed we could say the charters never takes a team we always have to have two techs you know we always have enough people and yeah. then just like uh, you know people were like okay i we got through that first wave see you later Peace i'm out. gonna go travel i'm gonna get out yeah. the hell out of bedside i'm gonna do anything else yeah. but then we were still stuck we got hit with that second wave. Well, and, and things like, didn't shut down yeah. the second time around. So people, the first people time, kept people coming. stopped coming, and it's like nothing stopped. And for us, it was just overwhelming. And it's like, I have that anxiety and fear. I don't want to go back to that. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. tough. So It was hard enough to do it the first, second, yeah. whatever time. Right. We don't want to do it yeah. again. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it feels like it's too soon. Like, I see people, you know, at the grocery store with no mask on, and I'm like, this is too soon. It's going to be flu season. People are going to get sick. And it's like, I understand that's irrational. And, like, people have to move on and live their life. Yeah, like, you can't think it's going to be worst-case scenario all the time. But it's so easy to go there. You guys have lived lived worst-case scenarios. So you know what could potentially happen. And for those people who didn't have a bad reaction or it was a, a cold symptom or whatever, you guys all know my husband. I mean, did you all work with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, you know, those of us who have people or ourselves that went through that, okay, this is shifting again because this is a positive thing. Um, you guys all, did you all come to the second, the second yeah. party? I did. My little baby. Okay. Because my how weird was it to see three survivors yes. in the same place? And it was emotional. It was, I, was I didn't expect my, I've seen all of those, all three of them multiple times. I remember, you know, can we turn? Yeah. I remember when Becky came back to the unit for the first time with you guys, and that was very emotional for her. And I, all I remember is she said, to, like, you know, there were probably, I don't know, probably six nurses standing there. And she said to us, which room was I, was, was I in? And every single one of us pointed to 3702 pointed. because we knew. Mm-hmm. We all well, knew what was. room she was in. 
And it was, it was so, and she's, and then she started talking about the nightmares that she had about that room. And then you start feeling like guilty, like, you know, you, you put her through that. Of course she survived and we saved her life, but, but then you have to think like, yeah, we saved her life, but like, what, what life is she living? You know, you saved her life, but is that life? It is. Good. I mean, obviously it's good for her, but like, that's the kind of like intrusive thoughts, like you said, that creep into your mind that you think about, like you you yeah. put her through that and yeah you COVID saved her life her right that. you guys saved her life right you guys saved jonathan's life and that's you guys saved my reframing life. you guys yes reframing yes flipping that thinking you guys saved so many people and and the people that that didn't make it you provided the best care that you could possibly do and we have to be happy with our best right yeah. and that goes back to what kim said yeah yeah that that is um you know, again, even talking about this out loud, that it's 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 very emotional. It's, is it yeah. cathartic? Is it hard? You said you yeah. were sort of like, what am I doing? Yeah. How do you feel? Olivia? Right now? Um, yeah, I'm okay. Uh, you know, it's nice to talk about it now because a lot of times, you know, with our nurses, they don't want to relive all that again. But it's nice to talk about it too because your feelings you don't like michael and said you don't want to keep shoving it mm-hmm. in there it has to come out and this is therapeutic to yeah. me it's therapeutic if you don't let it out yeah yes. <laughs> yes. you're going to get sick with whatever whatever you're predisposed right. to yeah you mm-hmm. shove it down shove it down shove it down yeah. and also you guys have the support network of each other because nobody nobody else, no uh, not even your significant others no. your children they can even have a what it feels no like chance. to be what you guys to, to go through what you guys have gone yes. through and to, and to be who you are and that's why our relationships in you know and i have always been and i have always been so strong mm-hmm. because it's in the name intensive care like it's an intensive job it's an intense yes. job you you are with people on their the worst day of their life yeah. And then you magnify that times 100. Mm-hmm. Or if you're John, 47 of the worst days. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then you magnify that, and you've yeah. really gone through something together yeah. that, yes. you know, when you finally sit back and the dust, you know, quote-unquote settles, I think the most important thing is, like, that we don't romanticize it mm-hmm. because it was hell, actual yes. hell. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about us being heroes, like, nobody – not a single nurse there wanted like, to be a hero. Right. I don't want to be a hero I, no, because no, heroes no. don't need help. Right. I need help. Our healthcare <laughs> team needs help. I mean, they really went through something that, and they're not heroes. So they, yeah. you know, I say that, and obviously they did incredible things, but you know what I'm but saying? See, like, that's, I'm the outsider, and you guys were my hero. Right. You were Jonathan's hero, heroes, and, and, that's why we, we want to do, that's why we do our another act of kindness to right. give back yeah. and to promote and to share and to love and to be compassionate mm-hmm. because we know firsthand what you guys have Yeah, doing. and that's the thing is though you've been, you've come along behind us to take care of your heroes, you yes. know, because you realize they need taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. are your heroes, but like they're also just humans right. that yeah. need help, you're, and you've come a along wife, a mother, to help. A wife, a mother, a wife, a mother, yes. and that's only counting sister, daughter, right. friend, yeah. all those th- all those other roles. But during COVID, it was almost like you guys were only yeah. nurses. What your job was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. correct? Yes, because that's what the world needed, right? And you stepped up, yeah. <laughs> No, and I say, you know, we, I was just talking to 
to um, Dr. Boutros and I, and I told him, you would think Jonathan is the only patient we ever saved because of the, the magnitude of things that you've given back to us. You would think you're the only family we've ever saved. Not to say that those other families aren't extremely grateful, but like if every family that we saved thanked you, thanked us like you thank us, Wow. We'd have food every single day. You know what I mean? It's just incredible the, the impact that you've made on staff. Like we were talking before, staff that never took care of a single COVID patient, never even put on an N95 mask, they know who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And they'll always know who you mm-hmm. are. Right. And it's that's the impact that you guys have made on us. And you know right. what? We don't care if they know who we are. We want them to know. We want everyone to know who you guys are. Mm-hmm. Because that's... It's, I don't have words to say how important you are save so many and to be there doing the hard stuff when nobody else was doing it everybody else was home in their houses with their doors locked working from home yeah you had a thought Kim. What was it? i do have thought sorry um i think the the one thing that i can say that you and jonathan gave me is a different perspective and let me explain that a little bit yeah. you have the medical intensive care and i was the director there for 10 years and we all work in our own little silos and nobody can do it better than us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we have a, uh, a partner um, with the management of critically ill patients, um, which you know is our long-term acute care area. And we all have a different role in people's recovery and their healing process and things. But you know, I feel like prior to you all, we would always be pointing fingers. You didn't do this. You didn't do this right. You didn't do this. Like, Emma can't do anything right, or they can't do anything right. And it's just, you know what I mean? We just kind of, it's us against them. And so that first um, celebration of life that you hosted for us that, you know, was fantastic and wonderful, you know, it brought us together and it helped me see things clearly a little bit better to where I saw my friend Autumn who works up there and um, we used to work, we go back way back together (laughs) and step down together. Um, But it made me see things from a different lens Mm -hmm. that, you know, I was appreciative of everything they did for Jonathan and they were appreciative for everything we did for Jonathan. And it was that first time that we really actually showed gratitude for each other. And it's changed me. It really has. You're so right. You're so right. I never yeah. really thought of that. But we saw, like, it's like we, you know, MI was standing here. All the MI nurses and the and LTAC nurses are standing there. And it's like, wow, we all had played a very important part in this man's recovery. Yes. And, like, we got him there and they took him home, you know? And it yes. was like, it, I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. It was like a totally, I've never seen them in that light before. I didn't even know them before. And now I feel like. We, we have so much a better relationship. A better because of Jonathan. respect for our Absolutely. roles that we contribute yeah. to patient care. And I love y'all, all of y'all. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, though, for, for me, um, I was connected to the MICU nurses because you guys, I couldn't go in and I, I called you all, all the time. And by the time John went to LTAC, he was capable of answering the phone and talking to me. And so I did go in and I met a couple of them, but I talked to him, but at that time I couldn't talk to him. So I talked to all of you mm-hmm. and that was, that was, you know, you guys were my family. And I think I said that in that letter we talked about, but 
you became my family because I couldn't be there and you were caring for the person that meant the most to me in the world other than my children. Um, and I couldn't be there. And so, I don't know, I don't know why I'm so emotional. <laughs> it, it just means so much to me. And, and, you know, he was in MICU, but, you know, he went to SICU for <laughs> his tracheostomy. And then Jonathan liked to put us through the ringer, so his trach blew out yeah. and he was bleeding to death and had to go back to the SICU. So he was there twice um, before he came back and all the stuff right. that was going on. So it, it just, I, I can't say enough. I cannot say enough how much I love you guys. I love you guys. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of you and all of the people that worked with Jonathan and all the people that go to Altman, the COVID people, or anybody else that's gone. Um, you know, people have different opinions about different things, at different hospitals and different things, but I have nothing but absolute accolades and positive things to say to you guys. So. But we have to return the favor to you, oh, too, yeah. because, you know, like we've said a couple of times as well, that you, because of your act of kindness now, all the things that you're doing for the nurses makes it all real for us that we made a difference out there. For example, when you met my husband, um, all, he's, all he's heard all this time during the pandemic is like, you know, it's really hard, this this is what we do, and he has no clue, he has no medical um, stuff. And then after he's talked to Jonathan and how many days he spent in, um, at Altman and things like that, he came home that day and he said, wow, you guys really made a difference. And it became, like to him, it became like human. It's not all talk anymore. It became like a face and a name. It became, yeah, it became solid for him. It's tangible that this is a proof that you guys made a difference. And it meant so much to me that he finally understood like what we went through. And it's the proof that, yeah, it was not a dream. Yeah. This is not all in my mind. Yeah. More of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, even during all during the pandemic, we you know every everything on in the media is dramatized. Everything. It doesn't matter what is good, bad. It's all dramatized. Mm -hmm. So you know, I had to you know grab hold of. I felt like I grabbed hold of my family because we experienced a lot of loss during the pandemic. Not even from COVID. I lost my dad. I lost my grandma. You know, from other health issues, but. I had to really grab hold of my family who were angry because we were shut down, because we were quarantined. Mm -hmm. I mean, they weren't essential workers. They're working from home. They're mad. They have to wear a mask at the grocery store. And I had to really grab a hold of them and say, like, okay, stop watching the news. Just listen to me and trust Mm -hmm. me because I don't have to dramatize anything because it's bad. I don't have to make it worse because it's already really bad. So I just tried to give them again because we talk about all the time we're caring for our community Mm -hmm. and i just told them what's happening in our icu at our hospital in our community Mm -hmm. and that's a microcosm of the whole world right and i was like if you're gonna hold on to anything just hold on to what i'm experiencing because that's bad enough you don't have to watch the news you don't have to know what's going on in new york let me just tell you what's going on here in canton ohio in our community and and they both got vaccinated (laughs) pat myself on the back for that (laughs) because really that's what you had to like make it real for them 
because you just see it on the news and you think it's a cold or whatever and yeah. and I'm like no this is this is legit it's real yeah, yeah. we had people that after Jonathan got sick and, and he was in the early stages when mm-hmm. you guys were in the, you know in the early stages and that's what I call OG COVID yeah. <laughs> <laughs> second he, wave yeah. yeah and he people said well we're protecting our elderly family now and we're not going out as much they recognized it wasn't you know yeah because we had just gotten back from Pittsburgh. We went in October, and then he came down with it in November of, of 20. And, um, you know, people said because of us, they are they were taking more care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember, what, what is the other lady that does the telehealth, that did the telehealth? My mind is Emily. 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 Oh, my gosh. I just have to tell you this story because I think it's beautiful, and it kind of relates to what you said about your husband, seeing mm-hmm. the reality of it. Emily was here with her daughters um, at our party. Yeah. I hope we can get through this. And she said, um, she texted me the next day and said, um, Michelle, I just want you to know how much it means to us. And it really drove home because my children, my husband was brushing my daughter's hair. And, and my daughter said, Daddy, do you know that mommy saves lives every day? Oh, oh my God. And she said that, Jonathan had, you know, got down on, on her kid's level and said, you know, your mommy saved my life. Aww. She was one of the ladies that saved my life. And um, she said, thank you for giving that to my kids because it's hard because I'm always at work, I'm going away, and we have all these protocols and we have to do all these things. And it meant so much for her kids to hear from Jonathan, mm-hmm. your mommy saved my life. She was yeah. one of the ladies that saved Absolutely. my life. And it, she said that really meant the world to her. So these are those little things that, you know, we're trying to get back and say thank you for mm-hmm. what you guys do. Um, and you've shared some wonderful stories, and we could probably talk for eight or ten minutes. <laughs> this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, yeah. My friends here uh, are going to, um, Michael Ann and Olivia are going to maybe do a podcast, so we hope our listeners might tune in to this. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not about making it. It's just doing it. You know, we've done it for the <laughs> fourth year now. Um, but just really recognizing what you guys do and, and being thankful and appreciative and, and hope we can keep saying thank you. You know, um, check out our, pot, our, our nonprofit, Another Act of Kindness. Um, parting words, any, any last thoughts, any advice, any... Anybody going into nursing or any thoughts of the people in the community? Anything that you want to say as a parting thing for our for our listeners? You know, we're we're just doing our best. Um, we're trying to move forward, and I'm excited for you know getting things moving forward and to. Um, support one another. I will tell you, um, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put this plug in just because I have a moment with these two ladies. I don't get to see them as often as I would love to, but um, you know, during this time, we were the fab four, and I still think of us as the fab <laughs> four. Joe is the guy. Joe. Joe He's is not the with us. He's but um, so this was very helpful for me, too, because, you know, I'm in a different space right now. Um, I loved my critical care service team um, and being part of that and will always be the fab four, in my opinion. Um, but I'm in I have new team, a new team, too, that I'm helping to support. So um, it's just a different different. So this has been very helpful to me. But um you know, one of my favorite people who I respect the most, you know, said this quote, you know, 
we can do anything, but we can't do everything. Yeah. Michael and Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, sitting beside me. Um, and I often, I, I tell people that all the time because it really has stuck with me as well as, you know, my mentor, Dr. Boutros, um, his, his, um, his words of wisdom that he shares with us. And, you know, I just, that helps me get through another day. And I'm excited for the future, um, you know, rebounding from this, mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. from this, growing from this, being better, you know, and just keep, keep moving forward. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's just what we do. We have passion for what we do. Absolutely. And you love people. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I want to echo too as a parting word. For me, is hope. Um, as cheesy as it sounds, um, mine is hope. I, you know, that's something that I always hold on to. Um, as you know, we've had many turnover for nurses for all different reasons, and I all understand we have been experiencing a lot of, you know, um, uh, shortage of nurses at this mm-hmm. point but I still have hope because there's still new nurses that are up and coming that are coming to our units and they must have um, a heart for it absolutely yeah absolutely heart for it yes and I have hope and you know and I think that's my passion now is just to make sure that they are learning and they mm-hmm. are supported and they um they're given all the tools that they need to be the up-and-coming um, hope that we have in our hospital and our future of our nursing and yeah. adultment. And that's what I hold on to. Very well said. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Some of these folks coming out of nursing school right yes. now, they have been through the ringer. Yes. And I know we talk about ourselves and the things that we saw and did yeah. through this. They had it tough. Yeah. And, I mean, just tough. Yeah. Their experiences, right. their um, limited just the shift. It's tough. They're yeah. coming yeah. out of school resilient. Unlike yeah, unlike themselves. anything we've experienced. Yeah, they have to have, like I said, they have to have a passion yes. for compassion mm-hmm. to go through it. After all that they right. know, they know mm-hmm. what they're getting into. Yeah. Yes. What about you, Michael? Yeah, it's so funny that Kim said that because that's what I was thinking. Is I, you know, I am hard on myself and I want to give everything to everyone but I just have to keep remembering like I can do anything but I can't do everything and that has to be okay I have to give myself grace Mm -hmm. and you know speaking of like not only the nurses that are coming to us but the nurses that stayed with us yeah you know we just finished our annual evaluations and I always treasure that time because I'm someone who thrives on like you know feedback and I love giving feedback to other people and just to be able to sit down with my crew that have been here and just to be able to tell them how much I love them and appreciate them and I know the burdens that they have taken on and as and I've said to some people you know you know I know it's been a hard year and um, sometimes all I can do is just acknowledge that I can't really do anything else other than acknowledge it but I just got to give them that love and appreciation and I just can't echo that enough that like those that team who stayed with us just how valuable they are to me and to our hospital and you know sometimes it's easy to feel like I don't matter in the I'm just a cog in the wheel whatever but those nurses the passion that they have is the reason I keep coming back to work and you know everybody asked me oh are you coming back after maternity leave and I was like I jokingly was like I need to quit my job but you know it was never 
never a thought in my mind that I would actually I was a little bit worried (laughs) (laughs) but it was never a thought in my mind that I would leave this place because I mean this is what I was put on this earth to do and I'm just so thankful for these ladies who have mentored me and for you that you know we can continue to have this relationship and make these connections and know that we have made a difference and just I, I just am in awe of these nurses every day that come to work so what I'm hearing hope grace resiliency mm-hmm. um, teamwork yeah mm-hmm. these are all the things that make you guys who you are yeah and I respect that with my entire being and if Jonathan was sitting here he'd say the same thing and we have so many people like it wasn't just us and our family it was our friends and our extended friends and like I said mom was the face of COVID so we had thousands of people what a terrible thing to be the poster child for (laughs) if you had to pick anything right but we're taking those darkest things and turning into the brightest absolutely Absolutely. that's what that's Mm -hmm. what we're doing is to bless it forward so you know hope grace resiliency teamwork I think these are important things no matter where you are or what you're doing these are things that we need to give to ourselves and to each other um so for all being here. Um, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Yeah, do it again. part two, again. part yes. two. Yes. This I mean, is I, my first. Yeah. Yes. And, and, Me and, too. And, and, you know, it's so crazy. I interviewed um, Aaron and Aaron, and for some reason the video didn't work and everything was messed up, so I'm going to invite them back. Um, but there are so many people in your in, in the hospital and yes. units that I love, yes. that are my family, that I, I, I want to share. And we are at this part, and again, trauma therapy is sharing the trauma and owning the trauma, not it owning you. So, you know, hopefully this can be something cathartic, and maybe you guys can continue with this forward and, and do something like this for your podcast to help others. Yeah. That's, you guys both have a heart for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so keep blessing it forward. So um, thank you guys so yeah, much. Yeah, we appreciate you, you for having you. us. We You're a blessing so, to us. Well, you guys are a blessing to us and to so many, not just us. So thank you guys for everything. And listeners, as always, stay cheeky.